Good afternoon, everyone. I'm pleased to be here today with Dr. Hinshaw to provide Albertans with an update on COVID-19 in the province. Before I get into the latest trends, I want to address the speculation I've heard about Alberta's rapid test program coming to an end at Alberta's pharmacies. These rumors are not correct. Free rapid tests continue to be available to all Albertans. As of April 12th, Alberta has distributed more than 40 million rapid tests, including 14.9 million for individual use. Over a million tests have gone out to pharmacies since March 28th. I encourage everyone to pick up kits for their household so they're prepared if symptoms develop. We have an ample supply of testing kits and participating pharmacies can continue to order them as needed to meet demand. We've also had questions about changes to compensation for pharmacies. Last month, we changed the compensation model for rapid test kits from $5 per kit to $60 per case. The new fee reflects the fact that we eliminated almost all the administrative work for pharmacists who are providing these test kits to Albertans. Now, the previous process was time-consuming, and some pharmacists chose not to participate because of it. The current compensation model and the process we have put in place is appropriate for this process. Pharmacies remain free to participate, and not all are choosing to do, to do so, but I'm pleased to report that overall we've seen an increase in the number of rapid tests ordered over the past week by pharmacies. Tests remain widely available across the province, and as I said a moment ago, more than a million tests have been distributed to pharmacies since March 28th. The Blue Cross website lists pharmacies that have stock, and it's updated frequently, but not in real time. So if you're hoping to get tests at a specific location, please call ahead to make sure that they have kits still in stock. Now to this week's update. Dr. Hinshaw will share the specifics in a moment, but I'd like to speak to trends from Tuesday, April 5th to Monday, April 11th. The average positivity rate for PCR tests completed over the past seven days is stable. It was 26.6% compared to 26.3% last week. However, wastewater virus levels are trending up in Calgary and Edmonton and in many of the smaller centers being monitored, although not all. We're seeing more virus circulating in Alberta as in other provinces. This is not surprising given the transmissibility of BA2 and the increase in contacts as people resume their normal routines. That being said, we are so far not seeing any large impact in terms of severe outcomes. Hospitalizations due to COVID-19 have increased slightly from around 1,000 a month ago in mid-March to about 1,050 over the past week. We may see some further increase in the next few weeks, but we are prepared for it. And at this time, we do not expect the kind of impact we saw in the initial Omicron wave in December and in January. We have high levels of vaccination and recent exposure to Omicron, as well as more access to new therapeutics. We also have a resilient healthcare system with overall patient numbers that are in line or lower than before COVID at the same time of year. Overall, hospital occupancy is stable around 90% and admissions in ICUs have been within their normal base of 173 beds on most days over the past couple of weeks.
100% occupancy in the ICUs is still too high, and we still need surge spaces staffed on a contingency basis. But the current level is a big change from the kind of strain we've seen before. It's important for surgery in particular, and it's one reason the system is continuing to do near-normal surgery volumes. In fact, the waiting list is continuing to come down slowly but steadily. Most recently, it's about 73,600 compared to the near 82,000 last fall after the Delta wave. Let me be clear. The system remains very busy. A couple of sites in Edmonton and Calgary are still over 100% occupancy. That's in line with some years before COVID, but it's still too high. And EMS remains under strain due to high call volumes and also delays in handing patients over in emergency because volumes in eMERGE are very high as well. The whole system is busy, and we're working to increase capacity across our entire system. In the ICUs, in surgery, in diagnostic imaging, in EMS, in continuing care, and in home care. We're going to see some increased pressure from BA2 for a few weeks, but likely not what we saw in December and January earlier this year. We will get past it, and at the same time, we'll keep working to build a stronger system with better access to care for all Albertans. So I want to once again thank, give thanks to the dedication of our healthcare professionals. It's no longer about waiting for the impact of COVID-19 to pass. We are adding resources and increasing access right now while we manage the impact of BA2 and future variants if and when we see them. At the same time, we'll keep working to minimize the impact of the virus by getting more Albertans vaccinated and increasing access to Paxlovid and hopefully future therapeutics. That's what it means to transition to living with COVID-19, not denying it or minimizing it, but controlling it and at the same time doing the other work we need to do. Yesterday was the first day for people to book or receive fourth doses, including Albertans aged 70 and older, First Nations, Inuit, and Métis people aged 65 and older, and all residents in seniors' congregate care facilities, provided that at least five months have passed since their third dose. If you or someone you care about falls into one of those groups, please book an appointment today. It's quickly done through the Alberta Vaccine Booking System online by calling 811 or contacting your local pharmacy directly. We've seen an uptick in bookings for the fourth doses just in the past few days, and I'm hopeful that will continue. And I remind people to please get your third dose if you are eligible. Yesterday, we also began offering Nuvasovid, a non-MRNA option here in Alberta. That's the vaccine from Novavax, and if you've been waiting for it, you can now call 811 to book an appointment. As you know, Vaccine is by far the most powerful tool available to prevent Albertans from getting seriously ill from COVID. We also have treatments available, including Paxlovid. And as of Monday, approximately 720 Paxlovid prescriptions have been dispensed since the drug became available on January 31st. Thanks to increasing supply, we expanded eligibility last week. We currently have a supply of approximately 16,000 courses of treatment in place and more are on the way. We expect to receive nearly 10,000 more courses in the next week and another 11,000 later in April. Now, these treatments are not suitable for everyone, 
and clinicians and patients need to work together to determine if treatment is warranted. However, we'll do everything we can to make them accessible and readily available based on the best clinical evidence and advice. And Dr. Hinshaw may speak more on this. Now, thank you once again for attending today. And I'll now invite Dr. Hinshaw to the podium to provide the update. Thank you, Minister, and good afternoon, everyone. As the Minister mentioned, the numbers we are sharing are from the reporting period Tuesday, April 5th to Monday, April 11th. In those seven days, our PCR test positivity ranged from 23% to 29.8%. Currently, there are 1,053 people with COVID-19 in hospital, including 48 in the ICU. Sadly, between April 5th and April 11th, an average of about five deaths per day related to COVID-19 were reported to Alberta Health. My sympathies go out to those grieving the loss of these Albertans and to anyone grieving the loss of anyone from any cause. As the Minister mentioned, the increases we have been seeing are not unexpected as measures have eased and regular activities have started up again. We continue to track Omicron and its subvariant BA2 in our province, as well as evidence of the effectiveness of different interventions related to different variants. That is why we are making a small change to antiviral COVID-19 treatment in Alberta. Beginning today, we will be pausing the use of citrovimab as a treatment for COVID-19. This follows uncertainty over whether the citrovimab treatment, which is a monoclonal antibody, is effective against the BA2 subvariant. Currently, BA2 is the dominant COVID-19 variant in Alberta, making up more than 80% of all new cases, so we have had to shift our approach in treating it. If you have taken citrovimab, please be assured that it is still a safe medication and may provide some benefit to those who have received it, so there is no concern for these individuals. Going forward, while we continue to monitor the emerging evidence on citrovimab, we will be using both Paxlovid and Remdesivir as options for those who can benefit from early outpatient treatment of COVID-19. Paxlovid is a medication taken by mouth, and Remdesivir is a medication administered through IV infusions given on a daily basis for three days. Both medications will be accessed in the same way offered to those with a positive test who are eligible after consultation with a healthcare professional. These medications are most effective if taken as soon as possible after symptoms start and must be started within five days of showing symptoms. I encourage Albertans to go online to look at the eligibility criteria for early treatment, as anyone who is eligible should seek testing early when feeling mild symptoms like a sore throat or fever, to be able to get the best benefit from these medications. If you are in the eligible group and you're feeling ill, please go for testing and call HealthLink for more information. Currently, Paxlovid and other antivirals are for those who are most at risk because of their medical conditions, vaccination status, and age. We will continue to monitor the evidence and make recommendations to support expanding eligibility as appropriate. This is a good example of the monitoring of COVID-19 research that we continue to do and the adjustments that are made as evidence emerges. I want to reinforce that while these medications are important, antivirals are not meant to replace vaccination. The National Advisory Committee on Immunization has just released updated recommendations on first booster doses, 
highlighting that anyone 18 years of age or over who has not yet received their first booster, which for most people would be their third dose, is strongly recommended to access the additional protection this dose offers. In addition, as the Minister mentioned, those with the most significant risk factors for severe outcomes are now able to book second booster doses to enhance their protection as transmission is higher in the community. For all of us, it is important to remember that as we are making decisions every day about how we're living with COVID, our actions impact other people as well. It's important that we all carefully consider our risk level, our level of comfort, and the risk and comfort levels of those around us. I ask that all of us consider masking in public places as a prudent step we can take to protect ourselves and those around us. We can also look to see COVID-19 trends in our area from our online data. We're updating this data weekly, and it's useful in helping inform the risk level depending on where we live. I also ask that we please get all doses of COVID-19 vaccine that we're eligible for. These vaccines help prevent serious outcomes. If you've been infected with COVID-19 and still need a first or second booster, we do recommend waiting three months before you get it. But once that time has passed, the additional dose is important, especially for those with risk factors for severe outcomes. COVID will not go away, and as we adjust to living with it, I appreciate everyone's contributions to the balance of safety and wellness in our communities that will benefit all of us. Thank you, and we're happy to take questions. Thanks, Dr. Henshaw and Minister. I think we've got a couple of reporters just on the phone. No one here in the room in Edmonton, and I think not in Calgary either. So we'll go to the first caller, please. Thank you, Lauren Pullen, Global Calgary. Hi there. Thanks for taking my questions this afternoon. Um, we are, of course, heading into the Easter long weekend, and it's one of the first major holiday gatherings we've had since the transition of learning to live with COVID with uh, relatively no measures in place. Uh, Dr. Henshaw, Minister Copping, what is your advice to Albertans uh, about gathering this Easter? Maybe I'll, I'll start just to say that uh, we know that COVID-19 transmission is higher, again, is, is rising right now. And so it's prudent as people think about the gatherings that they want to participate in, knowing that indoor social gatherings provide a, a, or they um, create a higher risk for transmission if there's someone infectious who, who is present. We also know that people gain benefit from spending time with people they care about. And it's important to be able to celebrate important holidays with, uh, with those of our family and friends. So what I would recommend is that people consider who they're going to be gathering with, uh, consider what precautions are appropriate for those individuals. It's critical that anyone who's feeling sick not attend a gathering. Consider the use of rapid tests and uh, potentially having parts of gatherings outdoors if the, the weather is conducive on that particular day. Um, so all of the things that we know that can reduce risk, just consider how those can be incorporated into those gatherings as we, um, again, want to keep our the people that we care about safe and our communities safe. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Lauren, do you have a follow-up? I do, thank you. Uh, also for Dr. Hinshaw, Dr. Tam had said yesterday that we are in a sixth wave and is recommending that we still wear masks as the BA2 variant continues to pick up steam. We have seen you at pressers, Dr. Hinshaw, still wearing what it looks like to masks. 
masks, uh, what looks like rather is two masks. Is that the level of protection and precaution you are taking in your day-to-day public activities? And do you recommend that we start wearing masks in Alberta again? It's uh, certainly a prudent step to wear masks in public places. I personally choose the the mask that I believe is most appropriate to the activity. So if I'm in a public place with people that I don't necessarily know, then I would wear a a medical grade mask. Um, If I'm uh, in kind of transition and through the workplace, uh, typically I wear uh, a double cloth mask, again, because it provides some protection. And so using the appropriate level of protection uh, that an individual needs based on their own risk factors, based on the people that they're with, again, masking is a a very prudent measure. And I would encourage people to consider, uh, again, their context, their own risk factors, the risk factors of those around them, and the fact that transmission is rising and to be a part of protecting our communities right now, masking is a very prudent step that we can all take. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. We'll go to the next caller, please. Thank you, Matt Woodman, CTV. Hi there, Dr. Hinshaw. As was just mentioned, uh, Dr. Teresa Tam mentioned yesterday that many areas of the country have now reached a sixth wave of the pandemic. Do you agree with that assessment? Do you believe Alberta has now reached a sixth wave? What we've seen throughout the experience with the pandemic is that we don't know in advance um, the specifics of what we're we're going to see. It's clear that we have seen a rise in transmission. We've also seen that our positivity rates have uh, plateaued a bit over the past week. I think it's... um, Again, the the magnitude of this rise, how long it will last, those are are questions we don't know the answers to yet. Um, And then whatever we term it, whether it's called a a sixth wave or whether we're talking about just the, the rise in transmission we've seen, we certainly all know the kinds of things that can help protect ourselves and those around us. And those are the, the same things we've been talking about for a long time, making sure that we're accessing the protection that vaccines offer, uh, considering the use of masks, washing hands, staying home when sick. All of those things remain important as we uh, look at, at the conditions in the communities that we live in. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, Matt, do you have a follow-up? Yeah, just a, just a quick one, actually. Uh, you mentioned 1,053 patients in hospital with COVID-19 right now. Do we have an idea of the percentage or how many of those patients are there because of COVID versus how many are there for other reasons and later found out they had COVID once in hospital? We continue to post that information weekly on our website. I uh, have not looked at the numbers from yesterday. Our trends over the past month or so had been that approximately uh, sort of two-thirds to three-quarters, depending on the time frame we were looking at, and depending if you're looking at ICU or non-ICU, were in hospital because of their COVID infection, so either primary or secondary contributing factor. Uh, Again, I I don't have the numbers specifically for just the the latest week period, so I'd have to get back to you on that, but they should be available on our website. Thanks for that, Dr. Hinshaw. Uh, So we'll take one more caller. I think we have one more on the line. Catherine Grykowski, Alberta Today. Thanks for taking my question. First question is for Dr. Hinshaw, and this is totally anecdotal, but I've heard and seen a lot of chatter about stomach bugs going around. And I know um, that gastrointestinal symptoms can be a symptom of COVID, 
Um, but there are also other bugs like E. coli and norovirus and salmonella. And I'm wondering if we're seeing gastrointestinal symptoms in this particular strain or if there are other uh, viruses going around and what, what people should do if they are sick with gastrointestinal symptoms. I don't know. I haven't seen evidence that BA2 uh, causes more gastrointestinal symptoms than other variants. We know throughout the pandemic, there have been some who, uh, when they have a COVID-19 infection, they do have symptoms of nausea, vomiting. Um, It's not the most common symptom. Usually people will have symptoms more um, kind of cold or flu-like in terms of having a sore throat or a cough or a fever. Uh, Having said that, as you said, there are many things that can cause that kind of stomach upset, uh, many of which are also very infectious. Norovirus, for example, is, is extremely infectious. And it's a good reminder of the fact that washing hands frequently is a protection not just uh, against things like COVID-19, but a very important protection against bugs that can cause those kinds of of stomach upsets. So again, I would say that we have seen some evidence that other viruses that have not been circulating as much over the past two years, things like influenza, uh, things like norovirus are coming back perhaps because we're spending more time together. And it's a reminder that these kinds of precautions that we're taking that help keep us safe from one virus can help with other things as well. So again, uh, really just the basics, good hand washing, making sure we're staying home if we're sick, no matter what those symptoms are. And again, trying to keep ourselves safe and those around us safe as well. Thanks, Dr. Hinshaw. So final question, Catherine, supplementary? Uh, yeah, this this one is on a completely different topic, and I'll address it to Health Minister uh, Copping. A few news conferences ago, you were asked about the departure of Dr. Verna Yu, and you said it was not about the past six years of her service, but looking toward the future. And I'm wondering, was Dr. Yu's continued uh, tenure in her position incompatible with the planned health transformation? So, well, thanks for the question. So, no, that's that's not the case. Uh, and first off, I, I just want to once again uh, thank Dr. Yu for her tremendous service through through very challenging times. Uh, no, this is all really about, quite frankly, about timing. Uh, we need to do transformation over the uh, in our healthcare system. You know, the Alberta Surgical Initiative is, is a key initiative. You know, other items we need to address. Uh, the board and and, and Dr. Yu were, were well aware that she was going to be leaving within a, within a year, uh, and part of the challenge is, is that you know uh, her guiding the first step of of, of the you know continuing the, the the transformation, then handing it over to someone else uh, on a multi year program. Um, presented some challenging because it'd be someone else would have to pick up where, where, uh, where Dr. Yu had left off. Uh, and so, the, you know, the conversation between the, the board and Dr. Yu is, it was primarily about timing, you know, getting someone in there uh, quicker to be able to uh, lead the transformation, not only for, for this year and the changes that we need to make uh, to be able to get caught up in surgeries uh, and be able to bring our the surgical weight items down to an acceptable level, which is a multi-year program uh, to have that individual drive drive through the the entire period. So that was my comments. Is that, you know when I when I made the comment about this, it wasn't about the past six years, but it's really about the next five years and having a leader in place uh, that that can consistently drive this change uh, over the next five years. Thanks for that, Minister. Uh, we'll wrap there. So thanks to you uh, and Dr. Hinshaw, and we'll see you here next week.